I think it's, again, providing someone with actionable advice for the information that you're disseminating. And of course, sharing those stories, those real world examples help readers connect with the content. Yeah, reading a book, you, you want to read a good story. Even if the book is technical in nature or about a particular subject, there's always going to be some sort of story behind some of what you're talking about. You're listening to Podcast Insider, a weekly podcast bringing insights, advice, and insider tips and tricks to help you start, grow, and thrive through podcasting with the support of your team here at Blueberry Podcasting. Welcome. Let's dive in. I'm Todd Cochran, CEO and co-founder of Blueberry Podcasting. And I'm Mike Dell, the Vice President of Customer Relations here at Blueberry. Have you ever considered writing a book for your show or on the same topic of your show? So today we're going to talk about the process of writing a book for your podcast. And let me tell you, Mike, it can be a process. Yeah, sure can. You know, writing, writing a book is hard work. I've done one, you've done one or more, I don't know. And yeah, it it can be a real booger. Some of the things I'd, I'd like to go over here first, though, is why do you why would you want to write a book? I think I've got a little personal experience here on this and you know, I can just give a few of my, my, of my insights. For me, it was a unique opportunity because today very few people get actually get paid to write a book. You write a book and usually it's, it's for your own satisfaction, but I was fortunate enough to actually get in advance and have a purpose and have a copy editor and a technical editor and all those things that go along with writing a, for, for a main publisher. And uh, so that was definitely a motivation. But I tell you, it, at the time, to be honest with you, I really didn't know what it would end up being. But I do realize the end result was definitely establishing myself as an expert. Writing a book demonstrated that uh, I had a depth of knowledge on the subject and it gave me some more credibility. And of course, the first book the book I wrote was the first book on podcasting, podcasting and do it yourself guide. So there was no established experts at the time in that field. So it, it was good timing for me to be the first. Yeah, you, you were definitely the first one. And uh, it, it, it was a great book. It was done through a publisher and all that stuff. One of the great things about writing a book also is you, you get out to a wider audience Books allow you to connect with people that may not listen to podcasts. A lot of people like to read instead of uh, instead of listening or watching a video or whatever. So it definitely gets the reach out there a little bit. And establishing yourself as an expert is also great. That's probably the number one reason why a lot of people want to write a book. And I think, too, is oftentimes podcasts that are on a specific topic can write themselves. And what it will allow you to do is provide more detailed information or summarization of a topic that you had where someone may not have set through three episodes, but can get all the information you cover maybe in a chapter. And at the same time, you can explore those topics a little deeper. Maybe you were informed enough to add to a knowledge base that you thought that you should get out there. Right. Yeah. Cause the podcast episodes are generally finite number of, of minutes or, or whatever, or hours for in some cases. And a book, you can really dig deep. And, and as long as it's not, doesn't get boring <laughs> to the reader, 
you can really expand on a topic. You know, another cool thing about it is passive income. I wrote a, a frequency guide for air traffic control probably 10 years ago. I still get royalties every so often. I'll get a, a random check from Amazon and it's like, oh, this is great. I haven't had to do anything with it in 10 years. So. I think the the passive income piece, though, for me, it went on for three or four years and the book become dated. Sure. It's one of those situations where if you write something that is not dated, in other words, it stands the test of time. And there's a lot of books that are out there by authors that are even today are no longer with us that are still mainstream go-to business books and so forth. But one thing it can do is it can build a, you can build, reinforce your brand or even a legacy brand, start building a legacy brand. So again, a book helps cement your podcast brand. And again, your messaging and your authority. It goes back to that authority piece. Yeah. And also sponsors and partners and potential guests or you guesting on somebody else's podcast or TV show or radio show or whatever, a published book, you know, you're a published author now. So that gives you a lot more credibility with those type of people. And I think I kind of hit on it a little bit. It's you can leverage your existing content and again, adapt the best episodes into book chapters more efficiently. And for me, it definitely helped build a legacy in the podcasting space. And the book was one of many pieces. And again, not everyone has a book in them, but I think creating a podcast and doing a podcast and being able to leverage that content that you have, a book will almost write itself. Yeah, it depends on the subject. If that's what you're covering in your podcast, a particular subject, or in my case, it was a blog and a website. and. Yeah, it just sort of wrote itself. I mean, I took all the tips and tricks and, and everything and put them into a, into one form. And luckily, the subject I'm on doesn't doesn't run out of date. <laughs> so that was that's kind of cool. Another thing it can help you with is promotion. If you have a book out there, people will find you in Amazon and other, you know, in bookstores or wherever you've distributed the book. And that might attract people to listen to your podcast and vice versa. You yeah, can vice use, versa. Your, use your podcast to promote the book. And I think what it really does too is it establishes you and it takes your work to, to another level and uh, allows you to put your ideas on written paper. And it's, it's something that's, at least for me, I've got uh, many copies of my book still in a box somewhere, <laughs> which, you know, maybe is not that exciting as collecting dust. But at the same time, that book is still in libraries and a variety of different places. So, you know, you reach people again who prefer reading, some prefer learning through books and some by, by audio. But the biggest challenge folks will often ask themselves, well, how, how do I write a book? We're going to give a bunch of suggestions here, but I have a very simple strategy. It's just the creation of a very good outline a structured outline. And once, and the, if you create the outline, <laughs> the book almost writes itself from that standpoint. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, think, think about show prep for a podcast episode. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't write it word for word. Most people don't. You put the bullet points in there and then you fill in the blanks. A well thought out outline. And it took me about a month to get my outline completely because, you know, you break it down in chapters and then you break out which each section of the chapter is going to be and you, you move things around. You kind of get it in all this time. You're kind of thinking right about what's going to be in the book. And then again, once the outline is is done, 
you can really rock it through something. So you can span in your best content. You can look to help you build your outline. You can look at your podcast episodes, identify stuff that was uh, great discussions. And these are great candidate topics to move into, into a book and into an outline. And of course, some of those things you know, had to, that I wrote about required additional research. I, I didn't have a Mac at the time and I needed to know the Mac side of things. So I actually ended up, ended up buying a Mac just because I needed it to assist me with that research piece in the book. Now, you may not have to go out and buy a computer, but you know, you may actually have to get some other resources to dive in to get into the type of content and details you want to in your book. Right. And as you were saying, follow structure. That's one of the bullet points we have here, you know, outline your book structure ahead of time and that'll help you plan it out. And like I said, you'd be be able to just go in there and pick a chapter you want to work on that day or a subject and fill in the blanks, do it in little pieces. And the hardest thing for me was to maintain how I normally would talk or write because sometimes you get into the grisly details and you kind of lose your your style or your tone and so that that was one of my hard hardest things to do is you know I'd write the thing and I'd look at it, well yeah it's all factual but it's boring <laughs> so you 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 want to you want to maintain how how you communicate naturally and I think any good book that I read that is task oriented in other words maybe it's a finance book or leadership book or you know something I'm trying to go and learn and not just casual region science fiction or something like that. You definitely want to have actionable advice and you're going to want to have detailed, practical advice. And it's, it's really can even be this step-by-step guide. You don't want to overwhelm them, but you want to take each section and have actionable action items. Cause what I'll find is and now I mostly do things on a Kindle is I will highlight certain sections of the book and it allows you to bookmark those and come back to those places real easy. I think it's, again, providing someone with actionable advice for the information that you're disseminating. And of course, sharing those stories, the stories, the side stories and examples is really where, where the meat and where you can really get, you can say hey, practicality, you do this, do this, do this. But then when you can relate it to Well, I know that Susie over at X did this resulting in Y. And then it's really having those those stories and examples, those real world examples help readers connect with the content. Reading a book, you you want to read a good story, even if the book is technical in nature or about a particular subject. There's always going to be some sort of story behind some of what you're talking about. And you definitely want to get that into the book. Another thing is addressing critiques. Deal with some of the pushback or criticisms that people have had about your podcast material and present your counter arguments. You know, maybe defend some of your things that uh, a lot of people push back on. A little controversy never hurt anybody. (laughs) But also, I think, too, you have to remember that you might be reaching a whole new audience. So you kind of have to be careful there on how you're going to uh, put that forth. And You don't want to completely rehash a podcast episode, but you can use the topics from an episode to build into the content of the chapter that you're trying to provide maybe new analysis on or new insights. Yeah, for sure. Another thing I I 
with my in my case, I had to hire an editor because I was self publishing. And man, you you have to hire an editor. You, you need to have somebody else look at it to not only for grammar, spelling, and punctuation areas, but to make sure that the book keeps your tone and flows nicely. Because you know sometimes you write a bunch of technical stuff and it's just really boring. So throwing in a few things from an editor may help. So, but definitely hire an editor or if you're publishing through a publisher, of course they have editors. Yeah, I was lucky. How it worked with me is I would write a chapter, I'd send it to the technical editor. They would make sure that technically it was correct or put any questions. If they had questions, then send it back to me and I'd correct the questions. And then we'd send to the copy editor. The copy editor would go through the chapter send it back with all marked up. And of course, this was days before Grammarly. So there was a lot of red mark on my chapters. And then, I, and they would just mark it up, say, make suggestions. They wouldn't actually make the edits themselves. And I think a good editor does that so that you learn how to write better, number one. And then again, once that was all complete, we did another round of review. So the editor may see a chapter it's maybe at a minimum two times. And if it's technical in nature, definitely have a subject matter expert that you trust also review as well. It's nothing like putting something out that's blatantly wrong and it really diminishes your credibility. So don't be afraid to ask for a technical reader, even when it is written before you go to publisher, have two or three people that you trust read through it and say, okay, give some feedback. Yeah. And some of the ways you can publish a book like you did, Todd, you worked with a publisher and editors and, and publishing house. Not everybody gets that opportunity, but try it. You can self-publish. I did it on Amazon and then I think it's called Create Space where they do the paperback version, the print on demand. And that worked out pretty well because it looks like a legit book. I had to get the, the Library of Congress numbers and all that stuff, and it worked great. But you can also self-publish an ebook just to have it downloadable on your website and sell it yourself. Uh, that's another way. You can cut out the middleman that way. Now, one thing you can have to consider, too, is my book itself was hijacked. Some of the text was hijacked and put into another book by a third party. So my editor actually was my copyright control. They were, they were the ones that actually went out and said, hey, cease and desist, take this down because you, you've essentially stolen the work. And that happens a lot out there. So if you self-publish, you have to manage your own, your copyright control. You need to be the one that's going to go out there and, and tell a third party and, and issue takedown notices and stuff like that. Now, I don't know how if Amazon helps you with that or not, but people are pretty pretty bad these days and they can, they'll can lift stuff directly. And in my case, the publisher went to work. Now, I gave up some rights for letting them hold copyright. But at the same time, their legal arm was much better than my legal arm. And again, I think Unless you just expensive. have, well, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to pay some lawyer to send out the cease and desist. So I think you just need to also protect your work the best you can once something is out. And I think, you know, you just have to keep an eye on, on like-minded topics or something that comes out that smells like it might be yours. Right. For sure. But don't let that stop you. you no, know, no, not, not at all. Because they say 
that copying is kind of a compliment because somebody liked it. So it's... Until it costs you money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, not all podcasts lend themselves to book books. You do a news type podcast and you probably would have a hard time writing a book directly about all the news, but you could still do something on the general subject matter. You're, you're in tech. You could write some sort of techie book, but it wouldn't be directly related to the podcast necessarily. But I think for most podcasters, the goal is really to adapt your podcast material into a book format. And the key is to add significant value, number one, so your, your listeners will still go out and buy it and adding significant value that would make people, other people to be encouraged to buy the book that may not be listening. And I think from my standpoint, Mike, the, my podcast was this marketing machine for my show. I mean, I mean, my podcast was the marketing machine for my book. And was one of the reasons why, for me at least, I was able to build buzz through the podcast and the podcast community. And it, New York Times had a weird award at the time, like the most talked about most talked about book in digital format. And again, this was still when bookstores were still pretty popular. Yeah, I don't think the Kindle was out then. Was I it? don't think so. I think it came a couple of years later, maybe a year and a half later, something to that effect. But in long story short. They use that promotion to build buzz, to drive sales of people that actually ordered. And again, it was early days for Amazon and actually order that physical book. You still can get it in digital copy. Not that I appreciate if you do, but if you, if you do just be forewarned, it was written before in the very, very early days of podcasting. Yeah, I think it, was, it might even be before Apple got into it. <laughs> yeah, it was before Apple, published before Apple even released podcasting in iTunes. But Yeah, yeah. You know, another, another thing to think about is if you're a book author, this may be a good way to launch a podcast to promote your book. So it could work the other way. Absolutely. If you're already an author, consider starting a podcast about your book. <laughs> this is very popular amongst the folks that do religious podcasts. Most of them have books before they have podcasts, or a lot do. So it is a, po a popular methodology for promoting the book, aka you write the book, then you start the podcast to support the book. So yeah, it works both ways. Yeah. So I think we, we covered the, at least the basics here. You guys ever decide, ever thought about writing a book? Have you wrote a book? Let us know. I, I think everyone's got a book in them. They just got to decide if they want to do it. For sure. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Let's meet up next week. And in the meantime, for more information to subscribe, share, or follow, check out the show notes at podcastinsider.com. To check out our latest suite of services and how Blueberry can help you leverage your podcast, visit blueberry.com. That's Blueberry without the E's.